0: We would like to disclose a trigger warning about this episode. Uh, We are talking about suicidal thoughts, suicidality, um, and uh, some of the people here today are sharing their own um, attempt stories. So we just want to make sure that you guys understand what is going to be discussed today because it's very important.
1: Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Again, we figured out how to record a podcast, so that's, that's a benefit. Um, my name is Aaron Zimmerman. I am joined today by my coworkers and a special guest. Uh, my coworkers being Tristan Schnoke.
0: hello,
1: Zach Karinchak, so, and our special guest today, uh, Go Van Martin. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to the "Our Story Isn't Over" podcast, uh, where we talk about all things mental health uh, and life, just the struggles that people go through. Things that they've been through and how it's okay to not be okay at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, some of you may know this week that we are releasing this episode is uh, suicide prevention. prevention week. Sorry, I, I got a, a, uh, confused with suicide awareness week. Um, so that's going to be the subject of uh, our podcast today. Um, so,
0: sorry, I was going to sneeze.
1: Yeah, that's fine. No, we'll leave it in. Um, so, go, uh, Goven,
2: Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, one, I want to thank you for inviting me here today, it's it's great to actually um, to be here with all three of you. But more importantly, to talk about suicide uh, because suicide affects most people at some point in their life, whether it's having thoughts of suicide or whether it's uh, impacted by suicide, maybe by losing someone to suicide or or someone else having suicidal thoughts. So a little bit about me is I'm a retired state trooper, 29 years, uh, but uh, part of that job was being in peer support. Uh, For the last 12 years of my career, I was in charge of our peer support program, which helped uh, police officers and family with multiple issues, one of them being suicide. Uh, And then after I retired, I went into uh, the nonprofit field for the adult, older adult suicide prevention coalition in Pennsylvania, and then merged into, which merged into Prevent Suicide PA. And I just left that organization and uh, hope to be starting something new. Uh, But more importantly, um, unfortunately, uh, that I lost my brother to suicide when he was 16 years old and I was 17, and unfortunately I came home one day from school and found him. Sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you. It's not easy. Um, So is the loss of your brother why you got into um, doing this? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, You know, unfortunately, that after my brother died, no one wanted to talk about suicide. And, or my brother's loss. And, And that's including me too, because suicide at that point was a hugely taboo subject, and it was very stigmatizing. So usually the things that people you know, had said about suicide at that time were, someone has to be crazy, someone uh, um, took the easy way out, all ugly terms. And I thought as I was getting into this field that much has not changed today, that we're still suffering from the same taboos, the same stigmas. For people just wanting help. And um, and that's what I want to change. That's why I got into this field. And my motto really is in doing this is starting the conversation. If we can just start that conversation by whether it's the person who's in crisis by reaching out for help. And that it's you know it's okay not to be okay, which I really like that you said in the beginning. But also at the same time that it's okay to ask that person how they're doing at the same time. Start that conversation in a number of different ways, and we can actually help so many people, including ourselves, when we need help, you know, to, to get the right help that we need. Yeah, I mean, the, the
1: conversation itself is a big thing. Um, what I hope our listeners will pick up a lot of different things um, from this episode today, but one of the biggest ones is that when you ask somebody if they're having thoughts of suicide... It's not the same as asking them, are they having thoughts of harming themselves? Because they can be, somebody can be having thoughts of suicide, but not be having thoughts of harming themselves. And they can say to you, no, I'm not, having, I'm not thinking like that. And then something tragic can happen. I mean, am I, am I right?
2: Yeah, it's like asking, you know, it's like a throwaway question. You're not thinking about hurting yourself, are you? Well, there's a huge difference between saying, are you thinking about hurting yourself or are you thinking about killing yourself? So yeah, someone could easily tell you the truth, and if you're asking the hurting question or the harming question, say no, I'm I'm not going to harm myself. But if you don't ask it correctly, what they really mean is they could be kill killing want to kill themselves or, yeah. or, or die by suicide. Yeah,
0: I'm glad that you said die by suicide because I think we're trying to move towards that statement instead of the committing suicide. Um, and even saying killing yourself or "killing," dying by suicide, that's much more um, polite to those people who are thinking about those things.
2: Right. Usually, right now in the suicide community, that is the correct language. Uh, committing in a negative context means a crime or a sin, su- which suicide is, is not. So, we changed the wording in the, in the community to complete about 10 years ago and... That seemed like an accomplishment. No one wants to complete or, or successfully die by suicide. However, so, you know, as with anything else we die by, you die by cancer, you die from a car accident, we also die by suicide. So, that is the correct terminology, and, you know, that we're trying to get to the, out to the communities um, or the helpers in the field that that is the proper terminology to use. That's a great point, Tristan. <laughs>
0: it definitely takes away some of that stigma as well when you're saying die by suicide, you know, instead of the other terms that you guys have made it through
3: past however long.
2: Well, actually, yeah. So I'm a lot older than these guys in the room here. (laughs) So, and, but as I was growing up, that if you died by suicide, you committed a sin and you were going to hell, which is, they're trying to get out of that in, in the faith aspect right now. However, you know, back in the day, that was my big fear that, you know, when my brother died, that, that that's what was going to happen. And, and thank God for a wonderful priest who I asked prior to the funeral who said, I asked him, is my brother going to go to hell? He said, Govan, if your brother was in that much trauma, that's, God's not going to punish him anymore. And to me, that was a huge relief because you know, that stigma and that taboo that people have grown up upon, and still today, grow up upon um, is still there, and we have to get rid of that. And we have to use proper termo- terminology. We have to educate people and make people aware of how words can be harmful. But also, the best part is that words can help heal.
1: Agreed. As well. Agreed. You know, words definitely can help um, help heal. Um, so we were going to go over some of the statistics um, to hopefully help you understand how prevalent. Um, Suicide and suicide attempts are in the United States. Um, nationwide, it's a, according to the 2018 um, official suiciders, uh, official uh, final data, sorry, um, it's 48,344 people um, died by suicide. That averages out to 132.4 people a day. Um, die by suicide males make up 37,761 of that number that's almost four times more um,
2: than than females but the interesting part is that females attempt three times more than males
1: exactly um and even though the females do attempt more Um, The biggest reason males uh, die by suicide more often are because they typically go for more lethal means. Um, Firearms, things like that. Um, Females uh, who die by suicide were 10,583, which averaged to about 29 per day. Uh, Males averaged at 103.5 per day. Um, And the biggest chunk of that is... uh, caucasian at uh 42,
2: um yeah white males usually died uh that's the highest uh actually uh, group as far as races is concerned that dies the most by suicide yeah um, but we always say that one death is one too many Agreed. so we have to we have to change that concept and just to you know, I know we're going over statistics right now, but really, what I want to share in any numbers that are that are given is that they're way underestimated. And uh, how do we know that? Is because it's the way that they're classified too. Is that we know that can a car accident be a suicide? Absolutely. Yes. Can a dr- accidental drowning supposedly or an accidental overdose be a suicide? Absolutely. A- absolutely. Um, and also. Uh, some suicides are classified as even accidental firearm discharges. So we know that because of the way that the death is classified that uh, we have a, you know, what we're thinking in the suicide community is probably about another five to ten percent for sure that uh, there's more suicide statistics. So we're talking anywhere from another, from another, you know, almost 10,000 deaths more that occur that aren't being uh, calculated as suicides right now. So we need to do better. We need to educate again more. We need to educate corners. We need to educate those in the law enforcement field on how to classify what is a suicide death because, you know, all suicides don't leave notes and say this, uh, you know, I'm going to die by suicide. So
1: You know, it's it's definitely, it's tragic um, to think about to think about all this, but this is a conversation that needs to be had.
2: Um, Yeah, we can't stop having a conversation, even if if for whatever reason we go on a downward trend, but the trends right now are suicide's the highest since World War II. Yeah. And uh, if we continue at this rate, uh, that we're going to see stats that we've never seen before. Um, You know, with the COVID thing going on right now, that we know that, you know, with you know, huge events, uh, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's like a 911 event or other events that go on that affect uh, our country, is that usually suicides don't necessarily occur during the event, but they occur during the aftermath of the event. Yeah. So we're probably, you know, looking at, you know, unfortunately unheard of numbers that may occur, you know, once this pandemic is over yeah so we have to be prepared and we have to be able to start those conversations
1: yeah um so speaking of which it's a good transition do we want to talk about warning signs sure um so what now warning signs can be different um for youth and young adults compared to um older adults uh, because the older adults you might see the, the signs at work um as far as youth you might see them at school um being more prevalent because that's where they spend a majority of their time
2: sure
3: um, and I would like to you know when we're talking about warning signs there they, you know some people are very um, outward about the signs so you know like the youth that gets in trouble in school every day or you know is trying to get out of school suspension whereas as me as a suicide uh, person who has attempted, I'm very internal like I am not going to tell people I'm not going to act out because I don't want to get caught you know these are kind of things like so we, we when we talk about science we also want to kind of you know look at you know giving like giving away prized possessions is probably more of an internal than someone who's acting out externally that you because know, I can remember um when I was hospitalized for 22 days I came back. People thought I was in children's hospital in Pittsburgh because I had liver cancer from drinking. Mm. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. It's, yeah. But I was giving away things, and that was kind of the warning sign, you know, for my parents and my and my family doctors. So, like, when we talk about signs, I do kind of want to, you know, not everybody's going to be open about it, and not everybody wants to get caught. And if they had attempted and got caught, um. From my point of view, I got better at trying to hide it because, you know, there's a couple times I have attempted. Mm -hmm. So, like, I knew next time not to do this. Um, So when we talk about science, just kind of think about, you know, it's not going to always be the individual who's acting out. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I know, especially the same way, Zach, I'm a suicide uh, survivor. Um, My precursor was me texting my mom goodbye, and that that was... five minutes before my my attempt, and it was, I was internal, I was bottled up, and <clears throat> now if you would have told me, you know, seven years ago what I know now, um, I don't know if I would have changed it, because it did make me part of who I am, but it also made me want to um, try to help other people when it comes to something like this, so...
2: Well, I want to say to both of you, I'm glad you're both still here, and I'm glad for both of what you're you're doing, because your point of view is so important, because a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, attempt survivors don't talk about it, and there, there is that taboo and stigma, but you guys are saving lives by talking about it and doing, you know, the work, great work that you're doing right now. So I commend you for, for being open about it, especially men, because men, you know, again, those stigmatizing words, oh, yeah. you're crazy, you're weak, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I was called BS on that, and I won't swear in the podcast today. But um, I get very angry at those, those words yeah. that use to uh, downplay or judge others. Yeah.
1: Um, we actually talked about on our previous episode um, how men aren't supposed to talk about their feelings. So. But it needs to be repeated and repeated Agreed. and repeated.
2: Agreed. So, uh, again, thank you. But, uh, yeah, you know, warning signs are important, and they are different for everybody. Um, I always like to think of warning signs as you know, uh, bait. I use the analogy of fishing. Mm-hmm. And, and people who are having thoughts of suicide put the little worm on the hook, and they're going to throw it out there hoping for a lot of people, because, again, it's all different depending on the person. That somebody latches on, or there are clues that just asking somebody, "Hey, what's going on?" I noticed this change, and sometimes maybe they're not doing it on purpose, but there usually are signs of change and or loss in and uh, prior to a suicide, and it's usually never just. Everybody always thinks it's there's only one precipitating factor with an attempt for suicide or a death by suicide however it's usually multiple different factors that lead up to uh that attempt um and you guys can talk about it better than than i can because you've been through it yourselves and was it just one factor for you or is just other issues that had you know just land blasted you into combining where it's like i can't take it anymore I
1: know, um, for me personally, there was, there's a lot, um, I mentioned it, uh, before on the previous episodes that, like, I lost my dad when I was, uh, 11 years old, um, so there was a lot of unresolved trauma there. Lost your dad to suicide? Or? Uh, no, he had okay. uh, passed away from but natural causes.
2: huge, huge death, though. Yeah, huge major I was, event I was life. the one
1: that found him, um, wow. so that was, uh, that was part of the reason, um, so there was a lot of stuff with that um i wasn't taking care of my mental health i was ex- i was you know so de- i was working 50 60 hours a week um and finally one day i kind of just decided it was it was time and uh like i said i t- i texted my mom goodbye um and then i uh swallowed a bottle of pills mm-hmm. um and then proceeded to realize that this was uh, something I wasn't ready to go through with. Um, and drove myself to the hospital. And the next thing I woke up, I woke up the following morning in the intensive care unit. Um, so, I was lucky enough, well,
2: lucky enough to wake up. Yeah, um, thanks so. for sharing that. Um, yeah, so this was just one thing for you. There were multiple different issues. Yeah, there was, there was a lot.
1: Um, there was a lot going on that I just... I was ready to be done and yeah. I attempted and like I said I realized that you know it was something
2: I wasn't ready to go through. And there, and there usually are multiple different issues. I don't want to know if Zach you want to share or no or it's up to you obviously. No, I,
3: I think I kind of always been kind of uh, sad as much as long as I can remember. Um, I grew up, like my family, so I'm not necessarily the baby in the family anymore. But there is a notable, noticeable age difference between me and all my cousins, mm-hmm. all my first cousins. Like, I'm 31, and most of my cousins are from 45, and mm-hmm. up. Um, so, you know, I remember, like, a lot of people dying in my family, but I didn't quite understand, you know, I get close to these people and you know i don't really have like we first of all we were away from so both my both sides of my family grew up around pittsburgh mm-hmm. we're up in middle of nowhere pennsylvania so mm-hmm. you know basically the family i had was the family that we kind of created in that area so but i was getting close to all these people and then they all started dying because you know they like now i understand you get old and you <laughs> you die like it's kind of that's the whole process of life Mm -hmm. but when you're six years old you don't really nobody you can't logically explain to a six-year-old what death is in my right like you have to use so in my family every time we hear thunder it's all my relatives because they're all bowlers Mm -hmm. bowling in heaven so like that was kind of the explanation i was given so i was kind of would say i was kind of depressed uh and i would say probably as i got older um I probably felt isolated and alienated just because I was different. I loved baseball, and I loved the statistics of baseball, but I wasn't really, like, in the jock kind of clique. I really liked playing D&D, but I wasn't really in that clique. I really loved punk music, but I wasn't really, like... Because I was also heavy set, so I could never really buy any of the band t-shirts because they don't, you know, they just don't like bad people, like I guess. I, I understand know. that
1: one. I grew up the same so, way. So, like,
3: it's like I couldn't fit really into that clique either. So, it was just kind of like I was my own person. Um, and I guess I felt angry about, like, as a, as a young person, I just felt angry that, uh, I couldn't really fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like I was bouncing around and, uh... And I will swear because for (laughs) a lot lot of few swear words, um, I just I guess at some point I just decided I'm depressed. uh, I'm really tired of how shitty people treat each other. Mm -hmm. You know, because everybody's like it. I, I I think there's nice people at that age group, but I think everybody, what we perceive as like someone being bratty or not nice, it's mostly them trying to develop their own self. Sure. So like you know when you're when you have depression anxiety like I remember that I could not go to middle school because I felt like my hair was on fire. Mm. So like I had a lot of like mental health problems going in. So um, so basically that was kind of like it was just I was very mad with the world and I'm I'm sure people will tell, still say I'm mad with the world. Um, but you know it, it, it's experiencing a lot of loss at a very young age where you can't logically put it together, which kind of helped develop the whole depression, or triggered the depression. Some people think depression is genetic. But I think, you know, that environment triggered my depression. Sure. And as time went on, I think the suicidal thoughts started developing along with it. Because when you're depressed for so long, and you don't know how, as a six-year-old, how do I say... I'm sad. Okay, so what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it just kind of uh, went on, and I can tell you uh, something I don't really share with a whole lot of people is that when I started medication, I started Zoloft, and I was so angry because I wasn't happy, and I did not know it took twelve days to work, mm. that I just like, swallowed half my half my script of Zoloft. So then, there's my mother panicking, running around, calling all these doctors and psychiatrists she knows in, in the county, and they're all like, "It'll be fine. Like, it, it'll just be fine. We'll write a new script. So, and you know, just explain to them it takes twelve days." Um. So, you know, I kind of laugh about some of the things back then because it's just when you're thinking, when you're not clearly thinking, when you're like really depressed and you have this voice that's like telling you you're not worth it just go ahead mm-hmm. um, my method was always hanging or cutting mm-hmm. um i grew up in a gun culture but my parents kept the ammo separate from the gun and they also removed um uh the um trigger so i don't know how they were ready to defend the house but i guess once you figure <laughs> out your son has suicide has suicidal thoughts Their response was let's remove the ammunition and also remove the trigger so and put it in separate places. So, you you know, there's it's kind of like I always believe in like it takes steps, like if you can slow down the the whole thing, yep. Because as we have learned with trauma, it takes 20 minutes Mm -hmm. or longer for your for that logical part of the brain to turn back on. And if you can slow down, and that's what I like when we talked about, you know. Between men and women, guns. Like, I, I believe I'm pro gun. Um, I think people need to learn how to use their firearm, and I think they need to understand the risk. And if you're gonna, if you if you're somebody who's suicidal, you know, I don't have a problem with slowing it down. Like, I have no problem with a background check where it takes time because then you know you're
2: thinking, right? If
3: there's thoughts then other than I just want to end my life. I just want to end my life. Yep. Um,
2: no, yeah. If we can like. Statistic-wise, we know that, uh, and we want to definitely go back to the warning signs, but statistic-wise, the the states with the lowest rate of suicides are the states with the strictest gun laws, which have that three-day waiting period, Mm -hmm. and the states that that kind of freewheeling are definitely in the upper echelon of uh, statistics. So we need to do better, and I I do believe with maybe a three-day waiting period that with someone who is in crisis – if as long as we know that, you know, that we can have them wait for just a little bit, that that might remove that um, that impulse then to take their own life. Yeah. Um, suicide is not necessarily impulsive because it does come along with all the issues that you talked about, and, and again, thank you for sharing. But, you know, both of you mentioned, you know, loss, that you did have loved ones, you mentioned your dad, and you mentioned other family members, and you know, um, that also, um, and that could be, you know, lost by death, but also could be the loss of relationships, uh, which follow into that same category. And that we know with both youth and adults that that is important. That a close relationship, whether it might be a significant other, that um, boyfriend, girlfriend, or or otherwise, that someone then. Um, if that person leaves them along with the other things that are going on with that person's life, then yeah. possibly can then have uh, thoughts of suicide. Um, yeah. Um,
1: it's a good point. Uh, so my attempt with the pills wasn't my first, um, bat at a suicide attempt. Um, this one, I was, uh, I just turned 18. Mm-hmm. Um, the right relationship I was in, uh, just ended. Um, there was alcohol involved. Uh, remember drink responsibly, everybody, uh, no drinking under the age of 21. Um, and I had put a shotgun barrel in my mouth oh my gosh. and within, I want to say 30 seconds after that, my best friend came through the door. Um, so shout out to him for, you know, being my rock when I needed one. I mean, he, he put me in my place. There was, there was alcohol involved for everybody, but, uh, yeah not i don't even think 30 seconds after i put that barrel in my mouth he came through the door um
2: and so. we know one of the also warning signs is that increased use of, of drugs or alcohol yeah um and sometimes that lessens that inhibition of then uh, attempting to take your own life so um but you know it's talking about suicide just because you know uh people talk about suicide uh that's a huge warning sign, even though they're maybe not necessarily, at that point, going to do it. But habitually talking about we still have to worry about those people. We still have to ask the question. We still should refer to help. Yeah. Just don't take it for granted that because they haven't done it so far, it doesn't mean that they won't in the future. Exactly. Um, actually, if someone says they're hopeless or uh, feeling isolated or alone, huge types of warning signs. You know, I always say if someone feels hopeless that, you know it should be like a beacon shining off that okay we want to make sure we're talking to this person and at least asking a question because one thing that we know is that suicide thoughts are normal you know there is no kind of like oh my gosh that there's something wrong with them it's when we get to this stage where we're actually you know really contemplating a plan and then being serious about it they say that about 80% of us actually at some point have had a passing thought about suicide Um, because of maybe a relationship issue, because of, you know, a failure or or, uh, or having substance abuse issues, there's a lot of things that happen in life that, you know, just kind of throw us off kilter. However, what we need to do is just, again, you know, start that conversation with our friends and family. And there's no shame in going to seek, you know, help from a, a mental health professional, psychologist, psychiatrist, social worker, whoever it is. That we feel comfortable with. It's not, you know, we don't necessarily have to go to the person that other people tell us we should go to. It's the person that we feel open and can communicate with. So, um,
1: Yeah. Um, And I think the big thing, too, is we understand that if you're a youth, that it's difficult to talk to an adult at times. Um, So you're going to talk to your friends.
2: Um, So that's why peers... That, and that network are so important that not only do they listen without judgment, but um, they also maybe tell someone else in their support work and don't let someone, like, kind of say, don't tell anybody else if someone has been talking about suicide that does have a plan. Yeah. We want to make sure that we get them help. And, you know, we could give some of those resources, you know, before we end up today.
1: Yeah. Um, and we'll post um, some of the resources in uh, the show notes and stuff. Yeah. Um. That way, there'll be links available after under uh, under the link to the show itself, Um, because this is something that affects everybody. Um, Absolutely.
0: Something else I think that's important to note is a lot of times people don't talk about suicide because they're afraid that they're going to get put in a hospital, and unfortunately, in in the where we live at right now, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk. Or that doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk to someone about it. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't have to, if you're afraid that that's what your mental health professional is going to do or suggest or whatever, talk to a friend, talk to your family members, talk to someone so that you can get on the right path to help. And that's really what it comes down to.
2: Well, a lot, you know, just because we have suicidal thoughts doesn't necessarily mean all the time that that person's going to be. Uh, involuntary committed to a treatment center um hopefully what we do know and there's you know some good research that's coming forward uh lately and that we know that if someone has attempted before that and but i think this carries through with every thing we know about suicide is that if someone talks to somebody and gets the help they need plus you know talk therapy plus medication the proper medication together leads to a 92% likelihood that they won't attempt again or attempt at all so so we know that talk therapy is good but sometimes people need the medication that's going to be able to help them so again you know I, I like this, that common theme as I said in the beginning start the conversation we need to have that conversation with our our doctors you know and saying this medication is working this medication is not working or If we don't like the therapist that we're seeing, we go seek another therapist. It's like, again, use your mental health the same as you would use your physical health. If The person operating on your knee isn't the right person. We are going to seek somebody else. So if we, you know, it's going back to basics, but mental health is treated differently, where mental health should be treated the exact same way as physical health. So, and we all are all comfortable talking about our physical health because that's, most of it that can be seen. Mm-hmm. It's the underneath and the stigma that's associated with why we don't talk about mental health. But, um, but I see a lot of positivity, positivity with this uh, younger generation that's going to make significant changes. And that we're, well, I'm out of that bracket now, but you guys are definitely more comfortable talking about it. And that's going to make other people more comfortable. Because when you're doing things like this, and talking freely about it it's going to save lives um and um and hopefully you all will be comfortable so who's ever listening today i get a homework assignment for you is that when you go home and you're sitting in front of your families for dinner is just say hey i heard this podcast today is a great podcast with a great guest that um um i wonder if you were thinking about suicide who would you turn to because that starts the conversation around the dinner table or if you're, you know, just hanging out with your friends that you can make a difference into finding out. And it doesn't have to be you who they have to communicate. It just has to be somebody and just to kind of get an idea of where they're at and what they think about suicide and stand up for yourselves and those who may be thinking about uh, suicide or just have, you know, life issues that talking about it can make a difference and that it can open up conversations, and good conversations, where people need to use their voice into making change. So use your voices for those who are listening here today.
0: Something else I'd like to bring up, uh, Govan, is some of the things, like we do a lot of uh, suicide prevention trainings, I know you do a lot of those, Um, and something that when I was trained in, in the one, it's called QPR, Question, Persuade, Refer. Um, is there are actually ways, if someone does come to you and says, I'm thinking about suicide, or I want to die, or whatever their Mm -hmm. statement may be, there are some things that you can say that may brush them off, and then they don't, A, they don't talk to you anymore, and B, they may end up, you know, killing themselves because you didn't hear them. And that's not to put blame on you, but what it is, is you can learn different ways of communication... To talk to someone after they say that to you that uh, might get them pointed in a better direction.
2: Great point, Tristan. Is that, you know, it's, you know, we always say that in those trainings, which I highly encourage a lot of people to do QPR, there's assist applied suicide intervention skills training. Uh, QPR stands for question, persuade, refer. And these are all basic trainings, but all, again, show people how. As I said before words have meaning Um, whereas we want people to ask the question are you having thoughts of suicide are you thinking about killing yourself however most people ask it like you're not thinking about killing yourself are you or you wouldn't do anything stupid would you so those who are having thoughts would not actually why would you want to communicate with somebody who thinks that your thoughts are stupid or crazy so we want to be direct we want to be open and honest. Say, you know, I'm really worried about you, and I've seen some of, uh, you know, some changes in you, and you know, maybe the losses, or I've seen you acting reckless, or I've seen you abusing, you know, drug or alcohol more. And again, it's usually more than just one issue. But uh, but I want to ask you, are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you thinking about killing yourself? Be open and honest. And most times, we know if we ask it in that way that we're going to get a direct answer. And we're usually going to get the right answer so that we can get that person help. And it doesn't mean taking that person automatically to the hospital. What it does mean is that maybe just um, engaging in that conversation because just because you have thoughts of suicide doesn't mean you have a plan automatic. It just means that, hey, I'm, you know, kind of going through some stuff right now where, yeah, I would think that's the easy way out. Or um, unfortunately, that's what people would say. Or they might say, you know, or I just want to end the pain, because we know that people who are thinking about suicide don't want to kill themselves. They just want to end their pain, what they're going through. So, and that pain can be so great that sometimes the only light that they see at the end of that dark tunnel is then to take their own life. So, um, it's the way we ask it. It's the way we converse. It's using non-judgmental language that is going to get people to be open and honest with you.
0: Well, I think, too, it may be awkward. Having that conversation with someone is awkward. But push through that awkward to get to an actual response from the person you're talking to. Because they need it. They need your help.
2: Right. There's a great campaign called Seize the Awkward. <laughs> yes. Uh, definitely. And, and, yes, it, it, it is. Yeah, it can be f- awkward and, and weird and, you know, uh, scary all at the same time. But I guarantee you that most people... Will appreciate the fact that you asked even though you're not suicidal you cared enough to ask that person that question um, and and don't be afraid to do it
3: well it's kind of like Kevin Hines story that we all know about mm-hmm. where he was not going to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge if someone just asked him how he was that day right and the only person that stopped him asked him to take a picture mm-hmm. Yep. It, you know it just and also don't panic when someone opens up about this topic, don't panic. Don't, like, run off. Like, take the time to sit down and talk with them. Mm -hmm. That will will alleviate a lot of negative thoughts they're having right now because you're taking time to actually talk with them. And I know culturally in the U.S., we say, you know, how are you doing? And we always reply back with, how are you doing? Like, we never say how we're really feeling. It's a very like that's just culturally how we say hi to each other for, for some weird reason but that's what we
2: nobody ever uh, opens up because like how are you doing means the response that we always want to hear is okay and that and so but there's more than okay a lot of the time so that's why like when I when I'm worried about somebody is that I lead off with that if I'm going to ask somebody that type of question I'm going to say Here's what I've noticed different about you, and I'm really worried about you. And if we lead off with those things that we see, oftentimes people are going to think uh, a couple things. But the first automatic thing is that person really cares about me because they're noticing the changes that I'm going through, um, which a lot of people don't, um, that they cared enough to ask the question. So we want to, like I, I'll say, you know, I noticed that, you know, you've been isolated. You don't talk as much. Um your personality is kind of changing. Where you're, you know, you've been coming in uh, late to work or school. Um, that um, you're acting reckless. I notice you're 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 partying way too much. Um, so, with that being said, you know, especially with you know, maybe notice that you know that your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you. Um, some people think about suicide. Are you having thoughts of suicide? Non-judgmental, uh, and yes. Can it be scary and hard to ask, yes. And it even ups the ante when the person does say yes. However, that's a great thing when they say yes because when they trust you, and at that point, that's when we go, okay, so tell me more. And then, obviously, with that information, well, let's call somebody, let's make sure that you know we're gonna get you the right help that you need. Or they might just say, you know what? I've had the thoughts, but I would never do that. I I, I just, one because of fear, the other because I would never, could never do that to my family or friends. So, with that, we still want to get that person help, but also they now have a conduit to talk to it openly if they would uh, have any more thoughts about suicide, too.
1: Yeah. Um, I think my next question is if, so now if, if this is a youth talking to another youth, um, how could they go about getting their friends' help?
2: Well, there's a, there's a couple of different ways um, because even you know whether youth or adults, everybody's afraid to you know when that uh, answer comes. Yes, I'm thinking about suicide. It's like you know um, that's kind of the yikes, you know, or the oh crap that goes on in people's heads, and it still does every. I deal with a lot of people who are suicidal. still I'm still afraid to get that yes but when it does you know just go okay uh, you know I'm here for you and what we want to do now is tell me more about what you're going through and and what I don't know um, and the depths of you know your despair that you're thinking about suicide Um, but also and if you you know obviously this conversation can't get into the depth that we want to get into but there are resources out there and so I encourage you if you're not sure what to do is that there's a couple different ways you can call the crisis text or you can call the crisis I'm sorry you can <laughs> actually call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 but more importantly in the younger generation for the youth today they're more likely to text to the crisis text line which is seven four one seven four one, and a crisis counselor will pop up right away and you could text them hey my friend's thinking about suicide, or if you're having thoughts of suicide yourself, if you're reaching, want to reach out for help, you can do this all by yourself, and they will actually walk through you uh, on what to do to help your friend or to actually, um, to help yourself, and to, uh, show resources in your area, and they'll put in, you in contact with somebody if needed, but also help de-escalate maybe some of the feelings that you are going through right now. But the one thing that I really want to get through to anybody who's in crisis or helping somebody in crisis that you're not alone, that there are lots of resources that are out there. You can call your local crisis intervention uh, line in the county. Each county has one. Um, again, call 911. Or again, some of these specific suicide prevention resources that we just mentioned. And that there are others that we can definitely reach out and get you, you know, help. Because sometimes just talking about the crisis de-escalates the crisis. But that doesn't mean that just because the person's feeling better for that short period of time is that we should leave them alone and everything's okay. Yeah, We want to make sure that depending on their level of suicidality is that um, we're getting them to the right area or the right mental health professional that can make sure that they're doing okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: I have a big question. I know that there was talk about adding a number, like a crisis line number, and it was just three numbers, 988. Did that become?
2: Well, there's yes, that's been shown over all social media. Just want to clear the air. Um, that it won't be affected for about a year and a half to two years. So please don't call 988 yet. And that's going to be the replacement for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So I'll repeat it one more time. That number is 1-800-273-8255. So please keep on calling that number. They also have, if you want to chat on the computer um, with uh, ca- crisis counselors, you can, the nationalsuicidepreventionlifeline.org, you can go to and then do a chat line that way too. But again, as we said, the number one right now uh, tool for you today is that Crisis Text Line, that's Text 741-741. Seven, yep.
1: um, and then, again, the uh, the resources will be posted in the show notes. Um, so the, there should be uh, inf- – there will be information um, in the show description, I guess, is what it really is. Mm-hmm. So we're at about 45 minutes. Um, I think that's uh, good. Um, is there anything that you want to yep. talk about? Before? Any closing thoughts or I,
2: I think my only closing thought is that if you're thinking about suicide, um, that it's okay not to be okay. I can't, you know, say that strong enough. And that you're not alone and that there are people caring people out there that are willing to talk to you. Um, so just when you think you're alone, please reach out for help. Um You know, I lost my brother to suicide, and I lost friends and countless others that I will, I don't know. And uh, I never want to see someone go through the agony and pain of feeling alone, that there's no one else out there to help them. So know that if you are, that there are caring people out there, um, and I want you to reach out for help and please reach out to the resources we talked about that you can also find in the aftermath of this podcast. And, um, you know, hey, I know that everyone in this room cares for you, and that's why we're talking about this uh, subject that no one likes to talk about, but one that we need to talk about and talk about a lot more. So if you're out there and you're thinking about suicide right now, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, contact the Crisis Text Line. Um, contact your local warm lines if you have them in your counties um, but also contact your friends and let them know what's going on or, and, and or family members that uh, and if they're not listening to you then find someone else who will and contact some of the resources that we just gave you here but there's always someone who will listen to your story and get help for you
1: alright thank you Govan um, and that will conclude us for the day Um, and Govan said it, we said it, remember everybody, it's okay to not be okay.